Hey guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome ladies and gentlemen of podcast land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, Well now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. I'm not waking up at butt crack dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here first. And now, a word from Saltside Jet. Oh, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, of Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I'm here with my co-host, not Chris Fowler. What up, what up? Not Fowler. <laughs> not Fowler. And this is another edition of the Paddler's Playbook coming to you live from the Mariner Sales Studio. Hey, this is the first time that you can actually start a podcast saying live from the Mariner Sales Studio. It feels good. It does feel I good. I like it. It fe- feels like Sale it's... Mariner Studio. I like I like the ring to it. it. It feels good. I've been I've been out using my uh, new Old Town from Mariner Sales, and I that love thing that sucker, is dude. Huge. It's I know we talked big Bertha. We talked about its size whenever we picked it up, and we we're like, "Dang, this thing's big." But I saw pictures of you in it, and I was like, "This kayak looks like it's swallowing Drew," and <laughs> and Drew's not a tiny little man. No, it, it's. It's definitely a big boat. Blaine was commenting on the Facebook page. He's like, man, that looks like it could hold a 20 horse. Yeah, like, <laughs> it looks like it's got like 18-inch um, freeboard. Like it's got sides that are sticking out above the water that are just massive. But the great thing is when the wind's blowing, you just hit that spot lock. Boop. You and don't have to. Done. That's done it. Deal. You just hit the spot lock. I was able to, to get out and do some fishing with our brand new director of social media, if you guys what, aren't what? if you guys aren't following the Facebook or Instagram, you need to jump on that now. We've actually outsourced the social media, but it wasn't really outsourcing. I mean, it's a member of the bro staff. He's been around since I don't know episode two or three. He was commenting about the show and stuff, but the Marsh Ninja. Mr. Besnick has been taking over our social media, and I gotta say, dude, he is doing more in the past week than we he did is, for the past year. He is spamming the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I don't know if it's spam. It's I mean, spam. it's relevant fishing stuff. It is. Here's the deal, man. Is that um, I I am I am the the um, what do, what is the term that I'm looking for? I am I am the scroller. Whenever it comes to social media, I'm not the type that actually sits there and reads what what I'm looking at. See, I'm the reader. I'm the reader. Uh, And and I think the problem is I do a lot of the posts. So I'm a reader. So I put up reader posts and you're the scroller. So you're scrolling on other stuff instead of posting on Instagram for the Paddler's Playbook. So we had to find somebody that could do it better than both of us. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, I had it nice and organized, um, and it looked pretty, and it was easy to just post our, our albums and, and pump the the, uh, the episodes. 
But the thing is, is that I don't understand like the real in-depth reason to get social media rolling, like to get that platform going. And he's got the finger or the, his finger on the pulse of, of, uh, of that. So we're glad that he's on board and he's taking that over for us. Um, guys, you'll hear, you'll, you'll, we'll have him on the show more often now that he's a part of that. Um, he'll probably just be background noise, <laughs> but, but, uh, we're really glad to have him a part of the, the, uh, the show. Yeah. The show. He's already put out way more content on social media than we've put out in a long time. Cause I think that's something we were lacking on a little bit. Like he we've done great goofy stories of me. I, well, there was a lot of goofy stories. I did. I made it on a lot of goofy stories, but that's some new content that we have coming to you guys. Another thing, if you guys don't follow the Paddler's Playbook on YouTube or subscribe, you need to subscribe. I'm going to do a vlog series. I've committed to this. Like you'll hear in this episode, if I commit to something, we go balls to the wall all the way in, all the way through. I'm committed to doing this vlog. And in this vlog, we are going to talk about catching redfish we going are green. going green not me just drew yeah just me just me and basically what it is is just you know figuring out how to catch these fish how to enter the tournament world is the stuff that i'm watching on youtube relevant are these guys just trying to sell baits check out the vlog let me know in the comments i really want to try to like crowdsource different tactics are the items that I'm talking about, which is things that I see on YouTube, is that good stuff? Are they steering us the right way, or are they just putting out products to sell products? Because a lot of them are professional YouTubers. Like, a lot of the videos that are more popular that you're going to run across first, they're trying to sell you baits, so they are going to push you a certain way, I want to know if I'm on the right track when it comes to the things feel, that I'm I like, taking from it. I feel like this is just a tactic to get people's honey holes, Drew. I don't want any honey holes. <laughs> I'm never going to ask for your spot, where to fish, but I'm opening myself He's not up gonna to ask everybody. Directly, that's for sure. I mean, we can pre-fish together if they want to. I there mean, I'm go. not going to turn that down, but... I'm I'm putting myself out there for critique too. I want to know when you guys do see me out there fishing and you do see me on the water in these videos, what am I doing wrong? What would you have done different? Would would do you think I would have caught more fish if I would have did XYZ instead of ABC? So really check out the vlog. It's going green. It's on our YouTube channel. Just search the Paddler's Playbook. You'll find it there. I already got a good reception and a lot of advice because that's one thing a lot of fishermen are good at, giving advice on what you should be doing. <laughs> so I, I'm looking to take take that in. You should be wearing sunblock and some good sunglasses. I have the good sunglasses, and we're going to talk about some new new good sunglasses. New, that, new? That we're going to be getting. But 
I need to do better about sunscreen. I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, we need a sunscreen sponsor so I can... Get banana boat up in here. <laughs> exactly. So I can uh, be forced to take thing. to take some content pictures for them, and that'll make me put sunscreen on my face before we get out there and fish. You know, the best thing about... Uh, is that uh, we now have these things called buffs. <laughs> we do. Yeah. We do. I'm not the greatest of getting everything together, though. Same, same. I've, I've tried to just keep one somewhere accessible, but I always lose them. Always. I I try not to lose them. I usually just put them on my neck, and then I forget about them. And I, I don't ever pull them up, because they mess my beard up. Make my beard look all crazy for different pictures and things like that. I've got one that I have to wear today because I was at the hospital, but... All right, folks, it's Hunter Welch here with the Galveston Redfish Series, inviting you to join us this March 5th for our hourly tournament at a Harbor Walk in Hitchcock, Texas. That's right. Kayaks are back, baby, in the Galveston Redfish Series. You get to compete against the boats and other kayaks in our hourly tournament. But if you want to compete in our series, kayaks get to compete against each other in their own kayak series for their own prizes and their own big fish pot. Kayak, this is where you get to be named team of the year in your own division five stop series in the galveston redfish series this year don't miss out sign up online at galvestonredfishseries.com hey it happens it happens now chris you want to get into this new the new new the new segment that we're going to do in the show so so the uh here's here's in captain school this last weekend the um the guy that's teaching the class always kept saying things twice. And we were like, what the heck? Why is he saying this twice? And he wanted to emphasize whenever he said it twice, it really meant like if you're, if you're trying to date this girl, you know, and she says, look, we're friends. We're really friend friends. That means you're really, really just friends. You know, if they say it twice, it means something. So the new, new is, what? <laughs> Do you even know what the new new is? You don't even know what the new new is. Uh, what, what, what is the new spot the that new, we're going to do new, right here? The new new um, is that vacuum from Teletubbies. Oh, <laughs> so, Lord. That's what hit my brain whenever I said it. I was like, oh, shit. No, the new new is the fly trap, baby. The fly trap from Rockport, man. Chris Fowler is just such a cool dude. Um, he's bringing fly fishing... Um, to Rockport and to Salt in a different way, man. Different fashion, guys. You don't have to be the um, the the bougie Yale student. Um, you know, you don't have to be the Harvard grad with all your fancy gear to get out there and get it done on the fly. And he's going to tell you why. And then number two, we've got our new partnership with Red Tail Optics kicking off in this episode, and we're going to have Nino on board nino gonzalez he is the founder and president ceo the warranty guy the shipping guy what else did he say uh customer service guy custodian custodian yeah all wrapped into one okay nino runs this company all by himself but he's in over 40 locations nationwide and he is putting out some of the best optics that compete with the top brands that's what's crazy dude is that he's actually putting out a product here in texas in a small little bitty town 
that's rocking the world of all these big names out there. So we're going to talk to both these guys, and then we're going to have them rolling with us in some of the Milk Crate Confessionals, which are some questions and answering time from our bro staff that, that are listening out there every single day. Yep, and before we get to those, we're going to get to the new, new, new. The new, <laughs> new, new, which that's going to be our Mariner Sales Bro Staff Product of the Week. Even though this is every two weeks, we're still going to call it the Product of the Week. The Bro Staff Product of the Week. So each week, we're going to be bringing you guys a new product that Mariner Sales carries that me or Chris have personally used We've reviewed, we've set up, we've done installs, we're going to do some pictures of it, maybe even some video. But for this week, Chris loves these. He loves them to death. Horizontal rod storage. <laughs> so Mariner Sales has track-mounted horizontal rod storage. It holds four rods. You can mount it to any track. Now, I have these on my old town. The only thing that I had to do on the Old Town to make it a little more user-friendly is I had to get the Navarre kayak handle. That allows me to keep the rods on the left side of my boat, keep them out of the way of the rudder handle. But these vertical rod holders, or I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying vertical. These horizontal. horizontal rod holders can be mounted on any track system. They're $39.99. They allow you to carry up to four rods on these horizontal rod holders. And Chris, I know you don't love them or have to have them, but I guarantee you everybody on this show has went to cast and caught that rod that's in their milk crate. Yeah. Or or they, they've caught it and they've almost broke both of the Certainly. rods when they were Situational casting. awareness, and it works both ways, man. Situ- situational awareness works both ways, whether it's behind you and vertical or to your left and horizontal. And my problem is, is that I catch things, and I have caught things, more often horizontally than I have vertically, and I've lost fish that way, and in tournaments, in events. So I really do try to keep everything clean and and clear horizontally on my kayak. I don't have anything sticking up, um, you know, cameras, uh, uh, fish finders. I don't I don't use them on the kayak because that's it's just me though, guys. Okay, and and I'll have products that I'll review and talk about that aren't horizontal rod holders for the guys and gals that, <laughs> that don't like to use horizontal rod holders. And we're gonna have a new product every week. Like I said, you can find those at MarinerSales.com. They are the Mariner Sales Horizontal Rod Holder Kit, and they are $39.99 for the whole. It comes with, you know, two uh, two sets to mount on the rails, and it will mount on any rail that you have. So Just you can slides you can right carry in. four rods, right? And you four can put rods. one on each side of your kayak if you wanted to? Yeah, so you could carry eight if you wanted to, plus whatever Damn. you want to put in your milk crate. Damn, that's bass fishing for you. Hey, I got six. I got six rod holders on the black pack now, and I can put four horizontal. But I, I'm only taking six rods. <laughs> That's it. I think six is the most that I want to mess with out there. But it does. It, it makes it really easy and out of the way whenever I can set um, 
two in the horizontal rod holder. I can fish with one, and then I can have three in the black pack on the left side. Tournament fishing, guys, the difference between bass and redfish. Everybody always says, if you can catch redfish, you can catch bass. And vice versa. We're we right? about to see. i tell and, you that. <laughs> well, the big difference is, I go out and fish a redfish tournament, I might, might, if I'm not feeling confident, I might have five rods. But most of the time, my confidence level is pretty high, and I only have three. Three. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time, I'm taking three rods with me. But since I'm trying to learn new tactics, throwing new baits, I don't want to have to take the time to tie on new baits. So that. And speed clips suck. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not using speed clips. But if if you're wanting to take more rods on the kayak, your current kayak does not have horizontal rod storage. You do have a solution over at MarinerSales.com. Speaking of MarinerSales.com, Jessica, what's going on with Mariner Sales, Real Sportswear, and Pure Fishing? Hey, bro staff. Let's talk power. The power to put all those fish shinders, trolling motors, and lights on your kayak without having to strap a bulky, ridiculous-looking battery to the back of your yak yacht. Or worse, put a small, easy-to-conceal one there just to have it die on you midway through your trip. Don't beat that guy. Head on over to Mariner Sales and take a look at their vast selection of FPV lithium batteries. These batteries are designed with a kayaker in mind. Lightweight, durable, and highly dependable, these small, easy-to-suck-away batteries pack a punch and will give you the best bang for your buck and keep you with all your gadgets out on the water. So head on over to MarinerSales.com, that's Mariner-S-A-I-L-S.com, and keep your gear running on maximum power. Now that we're powered up and set to cruise, let's kick back, crack a beer, and look amazing. Yes, bro staff, you are the master of your kayak universe, and you deserve to be stylish, comfortable, and protected from the elements from head to toe. So head on over to realsportswear.com and grab your new Badlands hooded top. Camo not your style? Try the Low Tide Marsh or Foul Camo. No matter what your style, Real Sportswear has the one for you. That's realsportswear.com for all your majesty's apparel needs. Now that you and your plastic stallion are outfitted for glory, wow those jealous landwalkers with your impressive equipment. What better way than Abu Garcia's new Xenon? Modern materials meet minimalist design in the new Xenon, the lightest, most advanced line of rods and reels to date. Just head on over to purefishing.com, click on the Abu Garcia link, and proudly proclaim yourself Lord of all fish kinds. Or, you know, don't. At least not out loud. This is Saltside Jess saying, all hail the salt side. As usual, guys, you just heard it from Jessica straight from the horse's mouth, all about Mariner sales, real sports. We're in Abu Garcia. We've got some great deals going on here. Check them out online, on Facebook, on social media, on all the platforms. They're going to get you hooked up. Hey, but look, man, we're, we're changing gears today, changing directions just a little bit. Drew's going to kind of hang back some because uh, he's not feeling too good. 
No, no, I don't feel good. Drew needs Drew needs Drew needs the uh the nineteen nineties um I'm staying home from work starter kit, which would be a bottle of seven up, some some uh saltine, saltine crackers, crackers <laughs> a can of ch- chicken noodle soup actually, and uh and actually, the price is right. <laughs> actually, Chris. Um I made a big old pot of chili over the weekend so i've been eating nothing i've been living off frito pies for three days three days i've just been eating that's why you sick pies. bro that's why you sick man <laughs> that doesn't I mean, sound horrible though it's it hasn't been <laughs> it has i've got one more bowl worth of chili left in there I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go for uh three four days of uh frito pies well everybody everybody is used to hearing you suck on a cough drop during these episodes anyway because you've always got some sort of cough going on that's Boy, get your true. immune system right. All right, do that. It's allergies, man. It's allergies. It's from but, being uh, being out there in nature. You guys just heard a third voice, and that third voice, ladies and gentlemen, I know we've talked about it before. We've talked about the fly trap, and we're bringing them on, right? Well, the man himself, Chris Fowler, is joining us today. We're going to talk to him directly about his experience kayak fishing, fly fishing, and what he's got in store for the community. As far as his shop, the fly trap goes. So, Chris, hey man, welcome to the welcome to the show. How's it going? How's it going? Thanks for having me. What's your experience on podcast, man? Have you done this before? Are, uh, are we popping your cherry? Man, it, uh, yeah, I think I'm a podcast virgin. I, uh, I've been on camera a few times, but I've never never done one of these. That's the first thing he asked. He's like, uh, "Are y'all gonna have to see me? Am I gonna have to? Are you gonna use this video because?" <laughs> I think he's. I think he's sitting around in his shop in just his drawers. Yep. <laughs> well, just no. Here in the B roll, he said he didn't wear a draw. That's so. right. He said he didn't wear. A he's just sitting <laughs> he's there butt naked. Drawers. Damn, just we're butt just naked. dump it all out there, huh? <laughs> butt naked from the waist down. You know, Chris, you have you have the fly trap. We're we're gonna get we're gonna talk about the shop here pretty soon. But since you're new to the show, you've never been on here. I gotta know. Tell me about your very first or your most memorable fishing memory or fishing moment, and then I want to know what your very first kayak was. Very first fishing memory, like ever, like like the very first one you can remember, or the one that or the just most sticks memorable. out yeah. the most. You know, the most memorable moment in fishing. Man, history. so I've been fishing. I mean, my entire life since I was probably. I mean, I got pictures of me on the dock in a little PFD because my little dumbass used to fall off the dock at my nanny's house in Padre Island all the time. And I'd be out there for hours by myself, so they finally just literally tied a rope to a PFD, and uh, I'd be out there on that pier for <laughs> Can you seven, eight hours. Like, like if he fell off, he's like dangling, just sitting there dangling. And it was like long enough to where I'd like... be in the water, but yeah, there was once where I was dangling about half in the water, but uh yeah, that's probably my first real fishing memory was my, my Nini and my Papa lived on Das Marinus out in uh, Padre Island on a canal right at the end of the canal. And that canal always was just stacked with fish. And I could catch everything from flounder, sheep's head, redfish, just, you know, everything you could think of. But just being out there as a little kid, I mean, one of my first memories was literally just perch jerking with my little Snoopy pole out there, catching them one after the other. Um, 
and feeding them to this heron that always hung out named old blue papa called him old blue and uh he hung out for about 15 years and i would literally feed that bird piggy perch all the time like he'd get close enough to take them from me <laughs> that's probably one of my first memories he's like a, a returning a returning bird like you started hand feeding him he's like i ain't going nowhere yeah i mean he would he'd land at the end of the period and he'd just sidestep his way over to you and you look turn around and be like oh there he is right next to you just waiting <laughs> i've got to say i'm i'm pretty jealous you you're talking did you say you're mimi what was what was the name my nini nini in, okay yeah. your nini and papa they had they had a place for you to go fish down at south padre and everything you know, my mama, bless her soul, the, the biggest thing I remember about her is she would cook me scrambled eggs while smoking Misty Ultras in the kitchen. Like, that's, that's <laughs> Your all. Your little I, ash in the, in the yeah. eggs, man. Well, that's, it wasn't, that's it wasn't what I got for mine. It was North Padre. Oh, so you're right, right here in Corpus Christi. Okay, Padre okay. Island. North but, Padre. I mean, don't get it twisted. We weren't like, wasn't like a amazing vacation home you know what i'm saying it was a cool little fishing shack at the end of dos marinus and nini out there smoking her capri 120s and drinking coors light and i'm literally just on the lower part of the deck running around for 10 hours a day smelling like shrimp covered in fish guts and slime <laughs> that sounds about right sounds you, like a great life yeah, yeah. it sounds sounds like our our middle son when we go rent a house on um matagorda he literally woke everybody up at five o'clock in the morning to go fish. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to fish." We're like, "No, bro, no, you're not. You're not going out by yourself." He's he's <laughs> like, "Mr. Drew, where's uh where's the bait at? I'm looking for the bait." I'm like, "It is four forty-eight. Get your little butt back in bed." <laughs> hey, something you don't you probably don't know, Fowler, about Drew. He don't get up early in the morning to go fishing. No. Never. Noon. Noon is his fishing time. Everyone I mean I will I will for tournaments and stuff. But if I don't have to, then I'm not going to. We we start at the crack of noon. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So you, you told us about, you know, your very first. Is there a very you know, is there another memory that really sticks out? Um from when you're I mean, older, gotta, maybe? I got a lot of them, and pretty recently, last year, I caught my, uh, well, I hooked my first cobia on the fly rod offshore. What? Oh, oh wow. wow. That's, that's got to be bad to the bone. And it was, we were on a 46-foot fishing yacht and that I just m- managed to weasel my way on. You know, they were going out, they were missing a guy, and all I had to pay was gas, and I was like, yep, I will go. I showed up with a big ass fly rod. Uh, I think I had a 16 weight and an 11 weight with me, which are like big dog fly rods. And we got we got out to the very first little rig, man. And there was like a I don't know 48 inch, 50 inch cobia just hugged up tight on that thing. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been on the front of one of those big boats. But it's not a little Poland skiff or a kayak like I'm used to. It's a big open deck with skylights, and it's like three and a half foot seas. And I'm I'm a big man, and I'm dancing all over the front of this thing, just trying to stay up and not fall off the edge and cast to this fish that's 15 feet below me at about 60 feet out. 
and uh that's why you need a 16 weight rod you know it damn thing's probably <laughs> 30 foot long <laughs> yeah i mean it was i ended up using the 11 weight for that fish because that 16 is not uh is not fun to cast it's rated for 250 pound tuna and it's just a shoulder destroying monster of a fly rod so i ended what, up using that 11 weight <laughs> what what's the biggest weight that they make like is, is 16 the biggest or, or does Man, it go 16 up a little bit is about the biggest that i've seen you know being the stuff that's available on the market nowadays i'm sure people have made literal broomsticks of fly rods that are like equivalent to 20 weights or something but mm. To be honest, I can't even. I'm having trouble even finding fly lines that are heavy enough to load this 16 weight. So I can't imagine going higher than that. You, you know, without getting a custom line made from somewhere, mm-hmm. there's nothing commercially available. So yeah, 16 is probably about the tippy top. 15 or 16. Nice. You mentioned that the the front of that boat was not like a kayak. Tell us about how did you get into kayaking? What was your first kayak, and and what are you rocking now? <laughs> All right, so my first kayak, I was. Hold on, hold on, li- hold on. We don't allow anybody to say that their first kayak was either a, an ascend, or b a pelican. Neither. I knew. Okay. Not, All right. I knew we were going to have to kick you direction. out of here. If yeah. No. No. My very first kayak was a Perception Scout. It was a 12-foot Perception Scout uh, that I bought from Academy, and I think it was like 480 bucks. But mm-hmm. it, uh, it was a weird boat because you actually kind of sat below the waterline in it, mm-hmm. not just because I'm a big dude, but because it was looking like it up. <laughs> I want to make sure I'm thinking of the right <laughs> kayak. Because we have had a lot of guys on the show where their first kayaks were Perceptions. And honestly, yeah. it's usually like Perception Pescador or whatever, you know, uh, or one of one of the the other Academy brands. But I think this is yeah. the first time that we've ever had somebody come on and say a Perception Scout. So it was a sit inside kayak. No, it's not a sit. No? Well, it's like a hybrid, right? It's like it doesn't have scupper holes. It's like a kayak and a small canoe had a baby. And you're literally it's a rotor molded seat. You can add a backrest, but I didn't have one of those for a if, while. If a, <laughs> if a small kayak and a canoe were having a baby, which one's the daddy? Which one's the mama? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'd have to say the canoe is the, mama. the mama. Yeah, see? Why? Why do we decide that? <laughs> oh, love. But, but yeah, I'm that not, was... Uh, I'm not commenting on that. It was a weird little boat. It had a man. If, if I had to guess, I'd say it was probably twenty nine inches wide. It was twelve feet long, and it it tracked really well without a skeg on it, without a skeg or a rudder. Um, and I used to paddle that thing all over Lady Bird Lake and Lake Travis in Austin, and uh, we took that thing down the Lower Colorado River. I mean, I caught hundreds and hundreds of bass and other fish out of that thing before i finally upgraded to a uh, jackson big rig and that was when i got that jackson big rig it was a life-changing kayak after being in a low a low boy for 
four years or something like that. But so, so Chris, I mean, you you comment on being a big guy, right? Yep. Drew's also a big dude. Um, yeah, Drew, I think Fowler might be two of you. Uh, Fowler, <laughs> you're you're a big fella. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, and, I'm about three fifty. He ain't three of me, two of me. Man, I w- it was an exaggeration. I know, I know. I'm Come just on. messing with you. I'm <laughs> but messing with you. We dude... were talking about Frito Pies and how great they were before we started the show, though. We were yeah, like, having, three, having Frito Pies big boy, for three days? Having big boy like conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here eating freaking uh, rabbit food, you know, Monday through Friday. Um He's now Chris was telling me about some of his adventures on on the Devils, which the Devils is an is often a hot topic on this show because we have so many people that that live in Texas that listen in Texas, or people that live outside of Texas that just want to come to Texas just to do the Devils River. One so, month from now, I'm gonna be on the Devils. He's gonna be freezing oh, his balls. Yeah, yeah it's gonna trip, be cold, Bubba. Yeah, a March <laughs> trip is gonna be rough, but he's got he's going with a veteran. Uh, of of the uh, the Devil's River, so hopefully he'll have a good time. Who's he, who uh, are you going with? Uh my cousin. His name is Romy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, is is and, he a guide out there? Or he's just done it a bunch of times. He's just done it a bunch of times. He's gotcha. uh he's into um, land management and stuff, so he's always down there helping out the ranchers. And so he knows it. all the people that own Bad. all the land Bad. along all the stretches of all the river. So they're gonna camp like. They're going to be gramping. wherever they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. We get out where we want. We put in where we want. There's none of that bullshit having to pull permits for everywhere. You got to take a poop. <laughs> that was, uh, I love the devils, but yeah, it was like, we have to camp here like on this Island surrounded by compost. It's July and it's miserable. I wish I could just get out anywhere I want camp where I want. Yeah, it, you could. I mean, there's a lot of places where you can just camp wherever you want along the Devils, but yeah, you just have plane. to stay. With, yeah, you have to stay within that easement, and that's what makes it difficult. Because yeah. at any moment in time, you could you can get flooded out. Yep. I miss the Devils. I need to get back out there. Get it, man. Get it, son. Get out there and do it to it. But you can't while you've got a baby to take care of, right? It's very difficult to get out there. And do these things like camp along the Devil's River when you've got a baby to take care of at home. Yeah, don't take a baby on the Devil's River. That's not a good trip for you. <laughs> well, no. and but, I agree. But Fowler's baby is not like you know a, a nine-pound, eight-ounce, you know, little, you know, bouncing baby boy. Fowler's baby is the fly trap. Yep. And I know he's got. People that that work there besides him, but I know he also wants to sit there and you know take care of his baby as often as possible. So the fly trap, man. This business you started how long ago? We uh, creeping up on a year. So just one year. One year ago you started the fly trap, and already, yep. um, I mean, I think it's possibly the logo that's really just just torn up the the you know. People are loving just wearing the logo, man. It's just fantastic. But the yeah, store it's, itself. I didn't expect just, it, honestly. <laughs> what? People loving the logo? Shit, yeah, I didn't expect it to take off like that, you know? that That's some fashion wear right there, man. People actually absolutely love it. But the store itself, 
contains and carries very high level um, fly fishing gear for the fly fishing enthusiast. And one of the things that I'm, I'm excited that we're going to bring to the show is the fact that you can, uh, you're, you'll be able to communicate with not only those guys that are um, high level fly fishermen, but also the beginners that are just now wanting to start out in the fly fishing. Because, Drew, when you first think about fly fishing, what do you think about? Uh, not being able to cast very well, or um, when I first think about fly fishing, I think about bougie guys in Idaho. That's exactly. what I think. I mean, that's, Most... that's what's out there. Like, that's what you see in the Sims, cat or not Sims catalog, but that's what you see in different catalogs. That's, that's because that's what you're looking at, In the magazines at, right? and stuff like that. That's what you're that, looking at. Yes. You're looking at, you know, all these these commercials for Orvis and mm-hmm. uh, and and Sims, which, I mean, I, honestly, I, I'm thinking Sims is kind of becoming like the middleman in some of these regards. Some of these guys are getting better equipment. But I said the exact same thing to, to Fowler that, most of these people think you have to belong to some sort of uh, highfalutin club no. in order mm-hmm. to fly fish. But they're not, they're not out there with these dudes that are like freaking tatted up, you know, long beards, scruffy. They don't give a shit if they've showered yesterday or three days ago. They're going to get <laughs> out there and they're going to they're gonna fish hard and, and fish fast. And, and it's going to be, you know, a week being out on the water. And roughing it and, and toughening it. And there ain't nothing bougie about it. So being able to connect with these folks that are not only, you know, have been fly fishing in both worlds, the bougie world and now, you know, the, the grind world, but these guys that are wanting to try something new because they've, they're not satisfied. Maybe they're not satisfied with what they're doing or maybe they want uh, to be the bougie, you know, fly fishermen. I think... We see a lot of people converting, man. You know, a lot of these guys out here in Rockport have been fishing their entire lives and been soaking croaker and throwing spoons and throwing spooks their entire lives, you know. And then they see us out there catching these big fish and just having a blast. And you get essentially twice the fight out of these fish on the fly rod. And it's just, you know, it's a, a lure, a fly that they don't see often. You know, it's the finesse approach, and I think that really attracts a lot of people. And it's converting a lot of these guys that have predominantly conventional fish their entire lives. Yeah. But, And I think what Chris was getting at is we we see a certain persona of the fly fishermen and what fly fishing used to be. But yeah. I think you're you're confirming, too, like that's changing. It's Definitely. not it's not bougie fifty year old guys with little bitty nets in a trout river in the middle of Montana. They still out there though. They still they're exist. still there, yeah. Wearing yeah, their they, tweed jackets and their yeah, but They're not listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any bro staff stickers on the back of their truck. <laughs> Definitely not. But you know, that was really the motivation for this shop, man, was you know, I worked at Orvis for five years and do you know how and don't get me wrong, they make a great product, and I'm not going to bash Orvis at all, but do you know how soul-sucking it is to be a big dude who can't even wear the pants that they sell, you know, having to push pleated khakis in boat shoes with button-down shirts? I mean, it's that was not my, my jam, so man. So you're like, so that I, was, lo- 
I love the the sport, but I don't necessarily fit the style. So. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm never gonna wear a tweed jacket. I'm never gonna fit into that crowd, and that was really the motivation, you know, to get this thing rolling. Was nine t- nine out of ten of my friends that don't fly fish would be like, "Man, you do that expensive shit? Like, you you can really get in there and just be part of that crowd?" I'm like, "Man, I'm not part of any crowd. I'm just That's fishing and doing my thing." thing. Chris, is it really expensive? It can be as ex- just like any hobby, right? It can be as expensive or least expensive as you want it to be. All right. So since you said that, let's let's talk about let's talk about the shop. Since you okay. said it can be as least expensive or as expensive as you want. If someone was brand new, came into your shop. If I Drew was hit, coming into your shop. Yeah, I wanna hit the I wanna hit the flats for redfish. Yep. And I want to have everything that I need to catch these fish. What is it going to cost me in your shop to just get fully equipped with everything that I need for fishing in Rockport? I mean, honestly, and I'm cheap. I'm cheap, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to do this on the cheap. So you got. So you got to hook me up with the economy. Some Abu Garcia. We we do carry like box kits. You know, kit you know, plug and play combos, rod, reel, line, ready to rock right out the box. Um, those, those are about 199 bucks for the complete combo. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at a good, decently stocked fly box with, you know, I get a lot of people in here asking exactly what you're talking about, looking mm-hmm. for just something to get them on the water, to dip their toe in the sport and see how they like it. So I usually send them home with that combo. A box with about six flies in it. One, a box that's going to have two top waters, two midwater columns, and two that they can bounce along the bottom. Critters, crabs, things like that. A couple liters, and then most of us already got a pair of forceps laying around. You don't have to have $90 nippers to get out there and catch fish. You know, you can buy the $1.99 fingernail clippers and clip your tippet with that, you know? So... Mm-hmm all in to get you on the water you're probably looking about 320 bucks all said and done that's now, not bad i mean that's just selling that's selling one or two combos to to get out there and get fully equipped yeah true now what i do tell people is you know if like these guys that are converting you know the guys that are been throwing conventional forever looking to do the fly world you already know you like fishing, right? You're not you're not testing that out. That's tried and true. You know you like catching fish. So instead of buying the bare minimum lowest tier combo, maybe buy something in the mid-range that's going to last you three, four years. Something you're not going to learn with and then immediately be like, well, now I want something nicer, you know, because that's there is a lot to be said about a $200 rod and a $600 rod, but you don't hear people talking about those mid-range rods that are 280 to 300. So essentially doubling what we talked about, so that 320, if you could get in that 550 to $600 range, you're going to have a bomb-proof combo that's going to last you forever. And, you know, as long as you treat it right, as long as you're not just banging it up. You're going to have a setup that you are not going to want to upgrade from after a year or two of using it. Exactly. In that $600 range. Exactly. And, you know, we can 
we can kick stuff around, move different pieces and parts and get you into something in like 400 and something dollars. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's splitting hairs at this point, but we can get you set up without you having to come in here and drop 2,500 bucks yeah. to get out there on the water, you know? Well, I don't want this to become just just a fly talk, but I got a question there. Now that we're now that we're talking about it, um, if you have to allocate your resources when you're looking at you know buying a setup, what are you spending the biggest percentage of the money on? Is it the is it the reel? Is it the rod? Is it the line? Like which which of those three should you look at the highest quality that you can afford, and then kind of back your way down from there yeah you know in freshwater when i was setting people up we would always tell people you know the rod and the line are definitely the more important pieces of that puzzle because it's not the highly corrosive evil salt water that we deal with down here um i would still say that the line is probably one of the most important pieces of the puzzle in the saltwater world um you know, don't go cheap on your line. These lines are going to range anywhere from forty nine ninety nine to one hundred and forty nine ninety nine. And if you can afford to get a better line, it's going to last you longer. And if you take care of it, it's going to last you longer. But you kind of got to have all three pretty decent if you want a combo that's going to last. A, a rod that's got the backbone to bust through the wind, but still with a sensitive enough tip for you to feel the strikes as well as a reel with a sealed drag, because if you get excited when you hook that redfish and you go to net and drop an unsealed reel in the salt water, it's going to uh, ruin it if you don't immediately clean that thing within the next couple of days. So really in the salt fly fishing world, man, it's rod, reel, and line. Just need to be pretty decent quality. The whole kit and caboodle on that. Yeah. I tell you what, I went and bought some some stuff for right before Christmas, and I know Drew. I talked to you about it, mm-hmm. and I was I, I bought some nymphing gear because I was going. Um, oh, what's his name? Marsh Ninja was gonna was, was gonna <laughs> teach me how to go nympho out oh, there on the, on the on the. He likes talking about fresh, uh, Euro nymphing, man. He was talking about it on this last trip we went on to. I'm big uh, into Euro nymphing. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like. <laughs> And you should have and, saw the people on the Stubblefield Bridge looking at him like he was crazy. They were like, what the hell is ner- Euro-nymphing and what is this dude into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can get some into some trouble talking like that in yep. some parts. But, uh, you know, I was telling Fowler, I was like, yeah, you know, because uh, we're partners with Pure Fishing. And Pure Fishing has a very nice array of, of product out there. Anything from, you know, your Shakespeare all the way up to, um, you know, tried and true battle proof freaking pin you know the biggest gear that you can possibly imagine going offshore fishing with pure's got it so falling somewhere in the middle there is like gray fishing <laughs> and and fowler goes that shit's for beginners man <laughs> i'm like beginner right here right here this is my first time this is my first time euro nymphing I was like, man, please don't say that I was talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I did. I did a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so so the the Euro nymphing thing is actually I thought it was pretty damn fun. 
um, to try. I just didn't like it whenever he tried to put a bobber on my shit. Because I'm like, no, 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 bro. Uh, popping cork is as far as I'll go when, whenever it comes to, to fishing with an apparatus like that. Um, but we did talk a lot about... And, and I'm not a, so much of a big fly fisherman like you guys. I haven't been fly fishing for a long time. I've been trying it for a long time. But I haven't been doing it for a long time. And I can, I can echo what, what Chris was trying to say about the rod and the line being more important than the reel. Is that thing's doing all the work for you? When we're fishing with conventional gear, Drew, what's doing the work for us? My wrist. The rod. <laughs> The it's, rod is doing a lot of the work. Well, and, and that lure, right? The lure yeah. that's on the end. Yeah, the, I mean, the lure is what's getting it out there, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're going to have to have a really nice, um, you know, that spool is going to have to, to be free. And it's going to have to work freely. Whereas fly fishing, you don't have that spool working for you. You've got to have a good backbone on that rod and good line to fly. I've, I also cheat. A lot whenever I'm fly fishing. I'll, I know, I know, man. I'll Spill use it. I want to hear it now. I'll use heavier line than I'm supposed to. Um, because How heavy? Fuck, I think I have some, like, some line that's rated for, for my eight weight on, like, a six weight rod. Damn, doing a double over line, huh? So, <laughs> yeah, well, and... Guys that are listening, you're going to hear some bleep outs. Before this started, I told Chris, you can say whatever you want. Just don't say shit or fuck. And Chris just said shit or fuck twice already on the show. Well, you so just said it. Now I got my work four cut times, out for me. Man. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go back and do this anyway. At least I know so where beep, the shits and fucks beep, are. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the great thing about, you know, getting into a, a a new aspect, a new, you know, realm of fishing like fly fishing is you can start all those arguments on Facebook all over again about <laughs> which, which line is best, you know, and, and which rod is best and which reel is best. But the main thing is, is just getting out there and really doing it, experiencing it for yourself and finding out where it works for you. Everyone's always going to tell you what's the best. It's really up to you to get out there and see what works the best for you. Be a sponge when you're starting out. That's the best thing I can say is everyone wants to listen to their one buddy and then that buddy listens to only one buddy and everyone's got their their ideas of what's the best stuff. Just get out there, learn from everybody, fish it, see what works for you. I mean, it doesn't have to be. You ought to, you ought to go fishing with, with Nick and I because the whole time I'm telling him to shut up <laughs> because I'm like, just let me do this shit. Just, <laughs> just Nick and I have never fished. We've talked about it for years. He's but. actually a blast to fish with, man. The dude, the dude does not do any cocaine or crack, but I swear he's on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell by those three three thirty a.m. messages. Hey, somebody sending you guys an Instagram post. Hey, <laughs> hey, check this out. It's four fifteen. Are you guys gonna talk to them? He don't drink sodas. He don't drink monsters. He don't drink coffee, and the dude goes like freaking all the time, one hundred percent, man. You know that was re- it was really funny when you guys were here, you Mark and, and Nick, because we were kind of comparing our Devil's River stories, and it seemed like our Devil's River journey was 
just a giant party in comparison. I needed to, to be on your Devil's River trip. <laughs> I was That's... like talking about mushrooms and you know doing mushrooms under the stars out there, and Nick was just looking at us like. These guys are animals. <laughs> Dude, hey, check this out, Drew. He brings a, a support vehicle on the on the Devil's River for him. Like another canoe, an entire canoe with steaks and beer, cold beer and Yeah, we everything. got one buddy who is probably the most experienced, Mike Nacarado. Him and Nate are the mules basically, and they paddle these massive 14 no 16 foot canoes through all the rapids and they're loaded down with ice beer all the food and any of the heavy heavy lifts yeah, see i need to be on that trip are they available for hire can i hire they, them out they just are, like actually. an outfitter um <laughs> i want to bring them with us so i can I mean, have the steaks. it sounds like you know the people you need to know out there but uh yeah if you're looking for experienced guys to do stuff like that angel outfitters would be someone to look into. It's Mike Nacarado and uh, Nate Wilson also works talk, here. Talk to them. Now, you, you talked just a second ago about <clears> wanting <throat> to have some of the best gear, um, and I'm sure you have some of the best gear. What brands do you guys carry at the store? Um, do you have any like fly tying classes or anything like that? Do you tie flies for the store? Just tell us a little bit more about the actual shop itself. So in answer to your question about do I tie for the store at this moment in time, I do not. Um, I've got another partner in the shop. His name Eric is Eric Singerhausen. He lives in uh, Seguin. And as far as people being in the shop, it's just me. I'm working six days a week. I'm here open to close solo man 5,000 unless Eric happens to be down for a fishing trip. And I can talk him into working in the shop one day. Um, we do plan on having tying nights, but that's going to be something to happen once I get a little help in here, some part-time help hired up uh, so I can focus on stuff like that because I'm running the social media, the shop, ordering everything right now. Um, but, yeah, as far as what we carry in the shop, it's your beginner to higher middle tier equipment. I don't have anything in here that's going to just be like, oh my God, he's got a thousand dollar rod. I don't have those here. Uh, my most house. Yeah, they are at my house, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. I've got rods in here maxing out at about $650 on my higher end stuff, um, which while that is a pretty expensive rod, as far as fly rods go, it's, it's about high middle tier. Um, but I've got everything to get you set up. I've got, uh, as far as brands go, Thomas and Thomas fly rods, run amuck custom fly rods, which is a custom builder out of Quero, Texas. So if you want to put like a, your color spin or whatever you want to do to that rod, he'll do it custom and it's a flat rate. Um, I've got mystic fly rods in here. Elegos fly rods out of Hawaii. So I'm trying to get as many small companies and local American companies as possible in here. That's what's really going to set me apart from other small shops is I'm not just reaching out to giant brand names to get them in here. I'm really trying to build up these smaller dealers and smaller companies that are 
producing these really awesome products that tend to get left in the shadows because they don't have that $15,000 a month promotional budget. budget. Yeah. 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 So really focusing on getting as many American and Texas made products in this shop as possible. Um, my entire fly bin here, I've got about 9,000 flies, um, for sale. And one entire side of my fly bin is all completely tied by Texas tires. I've got about 18 different tires. Um, they're all local Texas anglers who fish down here in Rockport and the surrounding bodies of water. So they're really tried and tested patterns that you really can't just walk into any other fly shop and find. Um, and then the other side where most of your larger companies, you know, will have their stuff tied overseas. Um, these are tied overseas, but it's kind of a cool deal. My buddy Ben started a company called fatties on the fly. And he basically went to a village in Africa and taught the entire village how to tie flies. What? Um, he taught, he gives them all their equipment, teaches them how to do basic patterns. They all practice. Here we are fast forward, I think five, six years. They're tying upwards of, I can't even like 3,500 different fly patterns. And he pays them really well in comparison to what they would normally get paid. You know, most large companies that do things like this pay those guys minimal amounts, but he, he pays them about five times what they would get paid from these larger companies. So the entire village is pumped and they got, got, you know, kids from nine years old to 90 year old men in their time. That's yeah, them, cool. them child labor laws don't exist over there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what would uh, that brings up another aspect of what's new in fly fishing, and that is no, you do not have to be a proficient tie a fly tire in order to do this. You almost you, said tie flyer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna make a shirt that literally says, <laughs> "I'm a proficient tie flyer." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Make sure the dude's face down and drunk, and make sure proficient <laughs> is spelled wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you you can literally buy everything that you need. You don't have to make it yourself. Yeah, but don't let anyone lie to you and tell you, man, you're going to save a lot more money if you tie your own flies. Uh -uh. That's like telling a guy who is addicted to paddle tail fishing, if he starts molding his own paddle tails, he's going to save money. That's bullshit. You got to buy all the stuff to do that first. And you can't just buy enough stuff to tie like two or three flies, right? You got to buy a package of each material and then a pack of hooks has a dozen hooks in it. So you're at least into it for a dozen flies. I have so. about three rabbits worth of rabbit hair that is up in my uh, closet from where I was tying my own jig. So nice. I understand that completely. Three full rabbits, <laughs> but full. Drew's, Drew's chartreuse funny, rabbits. Drew's a funny guy. Hell yeah. You see, just about every year Drew goes, I'm going to be a this or I'm going to be a that. Wow. And so he goes and buys all the stuff that he needs to become a this or a that. Falls to the wall. All of it. And uh, a couple of years ago, he Zero goes... Zero to a professional with every hobby you do? Yep. Yes. He said, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna build rods, man. At first, I'm going to at least learn how to build rods for myself. So he like spent all his tax return and all his Rona money. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of money it was a lot of money (laughs) plus they got like 12 kids so you know you get all that extra dough that's a big old tax return (laughs) yeah i wish so next thing you know this dude's got like a whole shop and he's outfitting the whole world and he's even got pro staff now like you want to talk about zero to to hundred zero to hey if you're gonna do it do it all the way don't don't jack around but just make sure you're doing it to the fullest all the rabbit fur that he bought 10 years ago is still in the closet yeah how much of that rod building crap you still have Oh, all of it. I'm still building rods. He's still. Oh, nice. I'm still building rods for everybody. What 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 stuck out to me the most, Chris, is you were talking about having as much Texas made stuff, as much USA made stuff, as much American and Texas products, small business products in your shop as you could. Yep. And I think that's a big thing that stood out to me and Chris, and that's one reason why we wanted to bring you on the show as a partner because that's something that we also really believe in and we want to help out texas owned businesses we got you we've got real sportswear is another texas owned business mariner sales is a texas owned business now we will take in sponsors from around the united states but we prefer you know to help out our community as much as we can speaking of we got another texas brand sitting there in the background he's sitting there. oh there he is there he is and chris you have you have some experience with this this gentleman so you know what why don't I you do. go ahead and and uh and introduce him <laughs> well we got captain nino here from uh, red tail republic captain Hi. nino and his Wait, microphone's oh, not working again it's not oh no, there he is it's working, it's working now okay. there he is <laughs> i was like man come on so, Chris, you, you you sell his sunglasses in your store, don't you? I do. We've got a display of Red Tails in here, and I've been using Red Tails for, man, I guess it's been almost a year now, honey. Yeah, about a year, about a year now. Yeah. I was now, a convert. A convert. And yeah. what were, you, were you one of those Costa guys before that? No, never Costa. I was a Smith guy for a long time. Smith. And uh, about the last six pairs that decided they were going to delaminate on De- me. oh uh, there it is right there guys you heard it not only from me but also from mr fowler the delam is a big situation man that Dude, nobody wants to deal with infuriating and no one wants to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> you talk to the smith guys that are still pumping it and they're just like nah bro mine never chrome, do that chroma pop my chroma pops are awesome <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah my they, don't, pops. they don't <laughs> so so Nino, what yes, what sir. what sets well? Okay, before we get into that, because we're gonna have to get into that, and it's gonna be a topic that we need to get into. But who are you, dude? Who is Nino? Who is Nino? He is a man. Uh, well, I can see that. <laughs> man, what can I say? I mean, shoot, I uh, fished my whole life. Started guiding back in '07 was a school teacher for 17 years, took the plunge, got out of it, started the brand and rebranded in what got 16 and then no looking back, just go straight eyewear. So, I, I don't I don't think we talked about the brand yet. What what brand are we talking about, Nino? We are the Red Tail Republic out of Corpus Christi, Texas, man. Corpus Christi, Texas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I've known Nino 
I don't know what eight or nine years now. Yeah, yeah, since the rods back in. Yeah, I mean, we started with rods '09, and then the sunglasses came out in '16. So. And every time he would see me at a show, at that time, at that point in time, um, I was working with a Florida brand, and he would almost throw up in his mouth every time he saw me. And uh, <laughs> that that Florida brand went defunct. And uh, I was like, hey, Nino, what's up, man? Where Those guys are gone, dude. And he's like, come on! <laughs> hey, man, I love everybody. I love everybody, you know? I have much I, love for everybody. You know, Chris, Chris used to mess with me about changing kayaks and kayak brands and everything all the time. But... Chris Lewis is a sunglass whore. I am. He, he goes <laughs> from brand to no, brand look, to brand I have, to brand. He is the. If you want to know about a brand of sunglasses, ask you Chris because he has owned them. He loves his sunglasses. Listeners, you know how I have this extreme kayak addiction? <laughs> well, before it was a kayak addiction, it was a sunglass addiction. When we packed up to move my house, my wife counted 75 pairs of sunglasses. Holy shit. See, these are the kind of people I love. That's why I love Chris so much, man. Those are the people I love. Everything, everything from dude, I even have a pair of freaking Panama Jacks that are from like nineteen ninety-eight, nice. you know. Are they but aviators? I have a lot of aviators. Yeah, I've got a pair of Ray Ban aviators that are off the wall, dude. They're from like the seventies and they're they're crazy. But um a lot of Oakleys. I even got like the South uh Southbound and down, you know, big freaking M frames and shit. Uh, it's <laughs> it's an addiction, man. I just love sunglasses. That's how I was, man. I I worked at a sunglass hut back in high school, and always had always had sunglasses, man. I had the Varnays back when I was in like junior high, and uh, that's how I don't know what that is. I, I don't either. I don't know what Varnays is. <laughs> Varnays, is that like Von Dutch? Did you wear a Von Dutch hat and Varnay was, glasses? It was the Von Dutch of the eighties. That's what it was. Ah, oh. uh, it was like the Von. Du- they were Varnays were the, the skier glasses, like Pit so, Vipers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had the I had the the original Vipers back in the day, like the Killer Loops and the M Frame Oakleys. Yeah. Ball. Now those were those were. If you were a baseball player, you had yes. to have those. You baseball you were player, yeah. you were you were killing it on the baseball fields if you had those. I even want to tell you, I had that great, that M-frame, the Oakley M-frame tan. I had that at prom. I was, playing ball, I was a beach volleyball player back then. So, man, I was looking sexy. I bet you were so tan. Oh, oh dude, I, was, <laughs> I made the furniture jealous, man. I'll tell you that much. Dang. <laughs> he was that tan. So, what, cool. what, you know, they were talking about the Smiths and maybe some of the delamination. We've been very vocal on this show about how all the rubber – on my Oakleys for the past five years yeah, have your just, Costa. I mean, my Costas have just fallen off. Like that's, that's been an issue for me. Now what sets Redtail optics apart from the other brands that we're talking about? And then what kind of frames and materials and, you know, just give, give us, us all a, your a overview. Yeah. I mean, all the traits. I'm just right? saying materials <laughs> and, you know, what are the frames made well, out of? What are, do you have glass yeah. lenses, poly lenses? What, what do we, for those that have never heard right, right, about right. Red so, Tail? So we have, we have two, we have two styles. We have a, we have glass lenses, um, which have a TR90 frame. A lot of them, the wraps 
style. So those are all have eight layer glass lenses. Everything's polarized. And then a lot of our more uh, fashionable sizes, uh, fashionable styles are polycarbonates. So those are six layer braces. Um, man, I would love to sit here and, and tell you that my lenses have never delaminated, but I can honestly tell you out of how long we've been doing this, six, seven years, I can almost count how many have. So it's, I mean, our, our um, lenses really, I haven't had that many issues with them, you know, anything like that. I mean, it's eight layers of stuff, you know, if it happens, it happens. We, we warranty all our stuff. So if it's something that's our fault, we'll definitely take care of it. Um, yeah. I think you're, there's gotta be some margin for error there. I mean, yeah, even with Smith, you know, been, yeah. they got to accept it, but it just got to the point where I get a brand new pair of these Smiths and within a month they're delaminating. I was like yeah. pissed. That's what I told you. I was like, I need glasses that are going to last. Cause I beat the shit out of them. Right. And right. as long as they don't delaminate, I'm stoked. Yeah. And, I mean, ours have been, it's been good. It's, um, I mean, the one thing that sets us apart, we're a small, we're a small business. And when I mean small, I mean, small business. You're looking at the, uh, owner, uh, shipping, accounting, accounts receivable, marketing, janitor. I mean, I wear all the hats. Preach. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, it's small <laughs> business, baby, small business. You gotta do it all. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's growing. We had a great year last year. Um, and, you know, we're just the, the, uh, the buyout from the, the other companies got bought out by a conglomerate overseas and the customer service and quality just went down the hill and we huge. That was, that's a huge, huge mm -hmm. issue in the sunglass market is that mm -hmm. they're all owned by one huge one company, company, umbrella that, company. And that one company own, now owns all the prescription lenses script and the frames and all like the, the, the Pearl visions, the uh, sunglass huts, that's all one big place. And they even own insurances now for some eyewear. So it's, it's, man, they, they own all the eyewear companies. So they own, a monopoly. You're saying they're <laughs> yes. owning insurance, they're owning insurance. So they like, whenever I get insurance through my company, mm -hmm. I'm actually getting insurance through, through what is the, the name of that company? Lux, Le Lexotica. Lexonica. Yeah. Lexotica. So they, they bought in, they bought the parent company of, uh, ever pretty much. They, they originally bought Ray-Ban then they bought, they bought uh, Oakley and then they bought the parent company of like Costa. So now all that's one big company. They, you, they, you can, uh, they have a documentary in 60 minutes. It's really interesting about it. But, uh, one, you know, one guy could be making Costas. One guy could be making Dolce Gabbana's next guy could be making, uh, you know, polo glasses. They just they bought all those brands and uh, just spit them out. So that's I think crazy. So so this way with red with Redtail, if we have an issue, we don't have to go through some crazy customer service department yeah. where we we have to go through fifty different channels and different avenues just to get one response back. That's bullshit. We actually call Nino on his cell phone. Mm -hmm. Literally, you call the internet number, it rings my cell phone wherever I'm at. So, I mean. It's true. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Customer service. I, I, well, even this morning, I had, a, I had someone ask me for the, for the warranty department. I'm like, yeah, um, I'm at the gym, but 
can you just email me? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's that bad, but it, that's how it happens, you know. Um, you wear all the hats, but uh, do you ever act like you're? Yeah, you're like, hey, yeah, give me one second, let me transfer you. Man, over to, I come uh, back on the line, yeah. different voice. <laughs> you know, I've tried that. You know, it's just, man, I can't. I don't have a poker face, so if y'all know me, I, I can't. Have, I don't have a poker face like that. I'm like, man, it's me. I can't lie. It's just me. <laughs> Drew, you know how you were you were we were talking about going from zero to one hundred? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and putting going all in on something that you're doing. That's yep. kind of exactly what Nino did, you know. Um he didn't go out there and, and try and build like a fifty dollar sunglass, you know, no. brand. You know, you're not going out there and buying, you know, uh I'm trying to think of some sunglasses that are usually around like the ninety nine dollar mark. Um I don't know. I, I always spend way anything. more money than I should on sunglasses. Ninety nine dollars. I think I paid like a hundred bucks for like some Bolays once. You know, which, Oof. yeah, yeah. it was That's before Bushnell. It was before Bushnell. You know, bought them out. But yeah. um, I mean, there is definitely a difference between like a five dollar pair and a two hundred dollar pair. You know, certainly. I mean, like anything. I, I um, like the old adage. You know, new guys that are just getting into fishing and stuff. They're like. Man, if I bought a $250 pair of sunglasses, I'd lose them right away. And I'm like, not if you pay $250, you won't. <laughs> right. You'll make sure them some bitches stay on your face. Or well, and they're, would, yeah. they're in their case whenever you uh, whenever you get home or something. You will make sure you take care of them glasses. You start buying $200, $300 my, glasses. My worst ever is like I don't, I don't rinse the salt spray off of them. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll hang them up. You know, over the rearview mirror, and that salt spray will bake onto those sunglasses for a week before I, I wonder. Get to I wonder them. why you shit the lamps. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I've only had one pair of sunglasses that I mistreated like that D lamp, and that was a, from the Florida company. <laughs> there you go, some sunglass wipes. You got to keep them close to you. See your pocket, baby. No, the. Uh... Oh man, what was I gonna say? The, uh, I mean, that's the, when you need to hire up. It's like a, it's a tool. I mean, the eyewear is a tool. I've got guys that, two guys stand on the front trying to sight cast. One guy can see everything with ours, and the guy can't. You know, the uh, with our red tails, they're they're lighter weight glass. They're it's a different tint, so it's a little bit brighter. Um, you know, I mean, the warranty speaks for itself. I mean. And we try to take care of everybody. And you guys have five five different models, is that correct, or do you have more? Ooh, uh, we have a Sabine. We just came out with two more this year. So we've got the Sabine, Laguna, and Baffin, mm-hmm. Freeport. Matagorda. Matagorda, Sambar, Bougie Bays. And then you've got the new Isabella that just came out. And ah. then the big head, the big headed Alazon is coming out in April. Okay, I, I old see big him. head right here. Yes, it's a so <laughs> he's old big head. Now I have a peanut a, head. I have a peanut head. You know, <laughs> like I can wear a, a six and seven eighths or a seven fitted hat or something. Like I got to get the small medium when they're six the stretchy seven eighths. When they're the stretchy fitted hats. What yeah, are some? Even which ones are these? Are the, don't wear six and seven. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Now, what are the the smaller frames that smaller I should be frames. looking at? The Sabines, Sabines and the Lagunas. 
Those so are the beans medium, and medium to large. Yeah. So the, the Lagunas is going to have that coverage on the side. Sabine's going to have a smaller temple. They're both going to be wrapped. Um, they almost fit almost almost identical to each other. One's just you know one's got a bigger temple than the other. Now is the Freeport and Baffin are those for the uh, big watermelon headed fools well, or what? Uh, the Baffin's was our largest one, so that was like a large frame, medium to large. Uh, Freeport, that's, that's, what medium. that's what I wear. That's what I wear too. Is the Baffin? My head's not that big. No, no, the bat. Well, you guys see, think about like with, like with Chris and stuff. These uh, bigger guys with the bigger bridges. That's why he came out with the new Alizon, which you get to try that one on. That gray one it's coming out with that gray frame. Man, those big old Papa hits. Man, that one is gonna. <laughs> that one does it good for those guys. And for this me, it swallows my face. It swallowed like for me, I'm a, I would say average size face. It just it's a it's a square look that's real popular, but it still wraps a little bit on the side. And man, I I really like it. I can't wait for it to get it in production. Are they all going to be that gray, or was that just the prototype? Uh, half of them are going to be half are going to be gray, half are going to be black. Matt, so the first matte black, matte gray, charcoal gray. Uh, first run's going to be green with amber, of course, and then we'll do another green with amber run, and then we'll do a silver with yellow because that silver with yellow, man. On cloudy Dude, okay, days. we need to talk about that. <laughs> we need to talk about the tints. Okay, those are the two that ready. I bought. Those are the two yeah. that I got. Was the yeah, you so, know, the green mirror amber and the hot the igniter so, lens. On the, on your coast, oh, coastal waters up and down the Texas coast, especially green uh, green mirror is just a tint, the window tint. The, it's the base, the amber base is what's really going to be able to look through the water. Pick up those colors, see the drop-offs, the potholes, oyster beds. Um, one, it's an overclass, overcast day, or you get up there in that Louisiana marsh. Those silver-yellow lenses, man, it's day and night. Day and night difference. It's unreal. And then, so uh, I was fishing one day in in Galveston, which we've got pretty. We don't have clear water here, but uh, so sometimes the sunglasses don't matter. You know, we're we're not sight casting mm-hmm. for something we see. We're sight casting for uh, just evidence of something. Right, right. But it was an overcast day, and I was wearing my uh, my silver. What'd you call them? Igniters. He <laughs> That's what them, I call. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I call them re, the recon lenses. I mean, so, it's. Um... But I could actually see when other people could not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just looking at like cord grass in the water mm-hmm. and, and something simple like that. And <clears throat> we've heard more and more people talking about um, yellow base, silver uh, mirror being the game changer no, it is. that you it need is. to have on your, on your craft, whether it's, you know, boat or kayak, you really should have two tents with mm-hmm. you because weather does change while you're out fishing. Conditions change. I mean, you can yeah. be sitting. I'll tell you, we fish the land cut a lot during turn, redfish tournaments. And if I only take my silver yellows and those redfish are up against the edge of that, man, I'm almost at a, it's too much. It's too white. I need, it, I need something just to bring it down a little bit. But we're on the flats, those silver yellows, man, all day long. Do you I've have been doing any... a lot of dusk fishing. And yeah, when I'm... there you go. When we're looking for tails late in the, you know, about to be evening time, I'll throw those yellows on, and I can see those tails pop up 
you know, 80 to 100 yards away with that contrast on the water. And that's what I love about them. Do you have any lenses that will help Chris distinguish between a stick in the ground and a redfish? Because he has an issue telling the difference between sticks and redfish <laughs> along the bank. So we do uh, do prescription lenses from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we will have a we will have a, a, a Laguna come out with a cheater <laughs> lens for the older you know the more experienced guys you know. Um, I like how you switched that up. I like how you switched. <laughs> that. You, you started out with oh experience, so, the more so experienced. We've already talked about kind of like the price <clears throat> range of of what you're getting into whenever you purchase Red Tail Optics. If you needed that cheater lens, you needed some help. Uh, what is that typically? You know, I know it's going to cost more. Uh, well, th- so our, our new, uh, those lenses are coming out in a Laguna frame, uh, only can do polycarbonate. So they're going to be a polycarbonate lens. So it's not going to be more than a glass. It'll actually come out being about a little bit less than a glass. Nice. Retailing I might, it, probably I might need some of those. 200, 215, somewhere out there. Um, and we got those coming out first, see how they, how they received and then come out with another, another batch after that. So, but yeah. All of them will take all of Yeah, that's what they are. I mean, that's what they, yeah, that's what they, yeah, they got little readers down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, what do they call it? Like, it doesn't have gradual? a line. Yeah. No, this one, no, this will have a line. You'll see it. it you'll have, have to do line. that. You'll have, you'll have to get used to that little, you know, there's a little line sometimes. I don't know what you're doing with your head, but <laughs> that's what you'll be doing with those bifocals, <laughs> trying to read things. <laughs> tie your knots with your yeah hey that's what they're there for man look us us guys as we start getting old and you know what being out on the water does not do your your eyeballs any good if they're mm-hmm. not protected with sunglasses they age it, faster all the time your your eyes yeah, need to be protected driving yeah, they need true, to be checked te- oh, i have very sensitive eyes so i wear sunglasses all the time i'm talking I mean, not inside. I'm not. Crazy I insulted like that. him one time, and his eyes didn't take it very well. No, they're sensitive. They, they're they're very very sensitive. But that's one thing that I, if if I don't have a good pair of sunglasses when I'm driving or something, like oh, yeah. I'm I'm irritated. I'm I'm mad at the world. I'm I'm thinking, you know, I'm fixing to run this old lady over in front of me that's going too slow. Like I have got to have a good set of Drew, do you optics. Keep, do you keep a pair of um, driving sunglasses in your truck, and then you got your fishing sunglasses in, you know, with your fishing I, gear? I do, and it, it's that Florida company that you used to that that you gave me a pair of um, because they're lighter. They're just lighter, so I can I, I wear them driving. So I think I think um, when you're driving, <clears throat> and Nino, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it's probably a preference thing, but smoke, yeah. smoke lenses, smoke tint with a blue or with a blue mirror seem to be the the better lens for me whenever I'm driving. That because you're probably not light sensitive, so um, that smoke with blue mirror, just smoke that um, it's going to be darker. So that, for me, that's what I wear normally if I'm driving. Um, it just helps me relax. But a lot of people want that. A lot of people need that high def, like a like our ambers and the silver yellows. 
they need that that caught the you know they need that high def contradiction you remember those blue blockers back in the day how they were almost orangish yellow you know they were so bright so um they definitely need that so it's a, definitely a personal preference um i wear the silver yellows i'm not light sensitive i wear silver yellows those recon lenses every day all day long i'll be i'm even that guy that walks into bucky's and say and walk around come out and went oh i was i totally forgot to take my glasses off because your eye gets so used to it i was that guy i'll do it all I'll, i just love will. walking walking into bucky's with sunglasses on and, and a face shield up to here and a hood over my head because nobody did that shit until two years ago oh no. now we it's normal they they would they call the cops on you before you got out of there so. yeah. but uh yeah I can tell you the Ron is real. Just, just FYI, <laughs> it's there. I've been, I've been vaccinated, boosted, tested a thousand times, and I still, I picked it up. But I think I got it at the wrestling event that we went to. Um, wrestling events are not the most conscientious, uh, safe health places to go to people spitting on each other sweat yeah yeah i was kind of asking for it i was kind of asking for it at that crowd sounds like rockport man it's (laughs) it's in an old machine shop like it's 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 definitely independent wrestling if you guys know anything about indie wrestling backyard wrestling i mean not backyard these guys are getting paid like 20 bucks but it's (laughs) it's really really fun and entertaining to go to well, Nino, I gotta know, man. When when are we gonna be able to get our hands on some of these? Uh, some of the I need I need to get some on my face. I need to I need to see the difference between you know what Red, Red Tail Optics has out there compared to the other guys. Just let me know, man. Just let me know. I'm uh, I'll be up there for sure. The fishing show next month or month and a half. Um, well, we'll be set up there at the the George R. Brown, and then. Uh, we got de- we got a couple dealers around town, so just let me know. Tell so us you- what those what dealer what what dealers are your glasses in right now? Man, we're up to we're up to forty five dealers in four or five states. Oh, we don't need to know so, all of them. Uh, Texas I mean, dealers. Texas. I mean, you've got a lot of the optometrists. Uh, like like. Oh, Jack you're in, you're. Hold on, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. You're in uh, Drew's favorite place, man. Top tier tackle. He is. Yeah, top tier. I was there last week with them in the boat show. Mm-hmm. The top tier has them. Um, where else? I mean, in Houston area, Lake Jackson, uh, Vision Source. You've got Galveston. There's an optometrist in Galveston. You have Dr. Mixon uh, over there in the Lake Jackson area. Uh, line Cutters, West Columbia. Uh, hooked. Uh, hooked on tackle. The new story on and. Oh, where is it? In a clue, I think it is over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matagorda, man. I mean, there's Rockport. So, I mean, it's, there's a it's, lot of places where you can walk just, in and buy a place. We, buy we just place. launched a brand new website today that has a dealer locator. That. Has a dealer locator on there. What? Yeah. Um, so, it, and we're updating it daily because we just got a new dealer today. So. Nice. Uh, uh, look at that! I typed in seven seven three five six, top tier tackle right there. there Ten miles from the house. Yep, more Travis. Well, it's, it's not even that far away. I, it, I was just is the in website there like two days ago. Is the website ago. nice? It it looks very nice. The new but website. The website's pretty. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty. It's, 
we we spent less morning once we launched it going fine tune cone it you know going through it what to be images better images are coming but we just had to get something up there so what about um, apparel because uh, i know you in the past you've had really nice apparel are you going back to providing some of that on your on your website yeah so this website i tried adding some of it today there's some ladies shirts on there um the apparel thing is just really hard for me to like i said this is a one-man show pretty much so the inventory i am not the most organized person in the world i will admit that every day so when i take the same shirts group of shirts have them to take them to a show take them to a dealer or take them to on the website for website sales uh, you know i i don't count very well and i was a math teacher and I forget what you know what sold where, and I mean it sold, but I just didn't go back to the main thing and update it. So that was always been my my Achilles heel on the apparel is we'll just do it at shows because I can just sell it shows, and once it's gone, it's gone. But we're gonna try. I'm trying to make a a conscious effort online to put put some of the apparel, the quarter zips, uh, got some hats being made, uh, visors, uh, hoodies for the guys. Um, stuff like that online, just the kind of the basic stuff uh, with all the branding on it online, and then go to the shows, and that's where we have all the good stuff. Anything else, Chris? So. What um, what lenses? What what, what what is your number one? Like, what's your number one go-to lenses? Is it the, is it the copper and green for saltwater fishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The amber, amber with amber, uh, amber tint with the other guys are copper and amber. Sorry, amber, An amber, mirror. amber and green mirror. Sorry. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Amber yeah, just that's, it's brighter. You know, it's just brighter. That's just and the um that inferno lens or recon lens or igniter lens, like I said earlier, <laughs> is, is a is a kind of like color. I like it's, inferno. I kind of do too. I'm not going to deny that. Kind of like should, that. It, you should rename it Inferno. The Inferno, Inferno Lens. The Inferno Lens. It, that, is, that is literally this year, it's like I've got to start naming these lenses because people ask me, like, what do you call your green lens? Uh, green mirror? I mean, it's not like green mirror. It ain't copper. It Don't call it copper. <laughs> call it amber. How dare you? How dare know, you compare yeah. me to the other guys? You can't call it sunrise because that's what the no, other guys call it. No. No. The other guys call it sunrise. Now, even if I go over there um, to where my sunglasses are hanging up in the RV, pull them off, man. They are amber tint, green mirror. Um, every other pair of red tails that I have are all fashion sunglasses. So mm -hmm. I've got the Matagordas. I've got the. Um, I've got two pair of the. Um, Bougie bays. Yeah, <laughs> I like them big, big ones, man. No, the uh, sandbars. Um, and here's Nino. Like he tells me, we go on to do this fly fishing thing, right? And he says, "Bring all your stuff, man. Bring all your stuff, so that you know we can have plenty of stuff." And I bring all my stuff, and then I start pulling out, and he's like, "Damn, damn, damn! Can't use any of those. Put them all away." <laughs> Because just I bought, continue all. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I like the I like the wild colors, like the gray with the purple lens, you know, that stuff like that, you know, something that's going to set me apart. Because whenever I'm wearing fashion lenses, you know, just like everyday sunglass wear, 
Um, I don't care what it is, really. It can be whatever tent, base, and whatever mirror. Um, but my favorites, my absolute favorites, are the gold with the ombre. That is fire, dude. That's some damn good glasses right there. Makes me look like uh, walking around like, like Conor McGregor, man. Gold with the ombre. Gold, gold with yeah. ombre, yeah. Gold I, feel, ombre. I feel special. Whenever I'm wearing those, kind of a throwback. It's kind of a throwback to the '70s look. You're very, very special, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. So. I I completely agree. You know what ombre is, Drew? I I think it's something with your hair. Maybe it's what the girls are doing with their hair. <laughs> it's like it, a different color. It exists on on fabric as well. It's just a style. Basically, the lens starts out at a darker tint at the top and fades into a lighter tint at the bottom. Why don't you just say fade? Because well, it's not called tran- transitional lenses. transition lenses. Because transitional lenses <laughs> are taking hormones. Transitional lenses are 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 a technical term for the the bifocal. The way the transitionally bifocal. The uh, I mean the tra- the real name is gradient, but there ombre. The girls kept calling it ombre, and and I couldn't get them out of that, so I just went with ombre lenses. You can kind of see on my face right now. Whenever I go fishing, I have an ombre. It goes from white to red all the way down my face. <laughs> you can see my ombre line on the side of my face, too. Right. Yep, I got right. it right there. <laughs> yeah, there. Look at There's the ombre line. <laughs> That's the new word for the sunglass tan is the ombre line. <laughs> you got Thanks. that ombre. Hey, man, that, hey, that's two solid, solid nicknames we've given things now. <laughs> <laughs> the ombre yeah, look, and then we got out. inferno lenses. Inferno. <laughs> and an ombre guys do you guys want to stick around for these these questions from our listeners and kind of talk about uh just a few few different topics since you guys are in the if fishing you, yeah, industry if, if you want to stick around we're going to do what um what we would normally call our milk crate confessionals and that's part of the show where we just bullshit about things um that listeners have questioned us on mm-hmm. so if y'all want to stick around for that you can if you want to drop off you know i'm down got... i got nothing else let me, let me check my schedule mm, not yet i'm good <laughs> Mama, mama's at home making curry and i'm sitting at the shop chilling so let's all go right. let's go all right so with everything going on with mr otter I know you guys have you've have had to have that? seen the Glock video where the guy pulls the Glock on the otters. Have you seen it? <laughs> I have no. not. Neither one of you guys have seen it. Neither one of you guys have seen it. Okay, right. so there's a Spin known. It. Yeah, we actually fish. Well, <laughs> I work. So. There's a, okay. There, there's a tell known. Him, go to the base. Tell them exactly what this guy does for a living. So or, there's not for a living, but yeah, he's a known. Why he's popular? He is a YouTuber. I mean, yes. he does most of his stuff on YouTube, and he's pedaling along, and there are two otters in a channel in front of him. And then he goes on to tell the guy he's fishing with how dangerous and nasty these otters can be. Pulls out a Glock, puts in a magazine, racks, does one. A, racks one, and keeps the gun pointed at these otters as he's going by, talking about how nasty and dangerous these are now we talked about it last time and this dude is like super 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 duper extra 
But the bro staff wanted to know if we have ever had any kind of encounters with any kind of dangerous animals or any funny encounters with any animals out on the water. Chris, I know we talked about this before, not Fowler. You you said that you did have a funny story about an encounter with an animal. So I'll let you go first. And so t- I've, I've got I've got two, Drew, but I don't know if you want me to tell both of them. I can try and be quick. One of them involves my wife, and um, and she was terrified um, and crying, and I laughed. But uh, and the other one, is, um, so I do a lot of hiking, and I was on a trip, and I was hiking um, a an area by myself and I thought I could get to uh, these falls and back um, without the sun going down. It ended up being a lot longer than, than it should be kind of like my stories are. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and and the sun went down. All right. And all I had was a tiny little headlamp and uh, I'm, I'm walking on this trail, which happens to have a, a cliff to one side and the, uh, the Colorado river to the other. And I hear these heavy, heavy, heavy footsteps, and I'm like, man, just keep moving, dude. Keep moving, because the footsteps were in the cliff, right? I'm like, just keep on freaking moving. Whatever it is will hopefully go away. It must have been a quarter to a half a mile, and this thing was still following me. And I got, finally, a freaking light bulb went off above my head, and it was like, I know exactly what that is. And I know why it's following me, because if you take a little laser pointer, right? And you put that laser pointer down on the ground and you have a cat around, what happens? That's crazy. That cat goes ah. crazy. So here I am with this beam of light on my head and something up in that cliff is like, ooh, what is that down there? Running around. <laughs> so I briefly turn around and it's a freaking mountain lion right there, dude. And all I see is this big furry face up on that cliff and i'm like at that time i didn't carry in uh in state parks i do now um but surprised you heard it yeah oh it was it was not quiet that thing was not quiet it was like it was all excited like a plane cat dude that's what when the light bulb went off i was like oh the rest of the way i turned turned the freaking light off and just walked quietly um and i just kept on my way all right, so the next story, I took my wife fishing, and I I told her, I said, look, where we're going, there's going to be plenty of uh, gators, and she's not worried about the gators, really, okay? They don't bother her that much, because they she knows, like I do, they go away. But then there was juveniles, lots of juveniles, and they were very, juveniles are very inquisitive. They want to come over and see what's going on with you, and she was getting way too comfortable but then we moved into this little back lake and it was full full of alligator gar tons of them and if you've ever fished around alligator gar you know that they're like mullet mm-hmm. you know and and they just jump all over the place and they will run right into you they will ram into you it it just doesn't stop not aggressively they're just they're just yeah they're just, just dumb they're dumb. Shit. They're, they're yeah. clumsy. They are clumsy they're like, creatures. They're like mullet doing mullet things. Yeah. Um, so I I leave the lake and I'm like, hey, look, I I, I say that all the time now. By the way, mullet, mullet doing, doing mullet doing things. things. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, another shirt. 
I hear some, I hear some uh, crashing going on in, on this other lake. I'm like, babe, look, I'll be right back. I go over there to go see, see what it is, catch a few fish. I come back, and she's bawling, crying. I'm like, babe, what's wrong? The alligator gar won't stop running into my kayak. <laughs> I was like, all right, we gotta pack up, we gotta get out of here. So those are the two uh encounters really with, with nature that uh for wherever will be ingrained into my brain. Do uh Nino or Chris, do either one of you guys have a, a dangerous encounter or just a funny one with, with any kind of wildlife that you wanna share? I got, when I used to live in Florida, I used to live in Naples, Florida, and I used to fish 10,000 islands a lot. And I'd go back there by myself. So one time I'm back in Pumpkin Bay, which is way back in the glades. And we're, I got the trolling motor and going across the side. And I'm looking like against the shoreline, about 10 feet in front of me. I'm not looking within that 10 feet. I'm looking out. So I'm going down, going down. And that trolling motor bumps about a five foot tarpon in about two foot of water in muddy water. Never saw it. Dude. Scared the ever living bejesus out of me. Came flying out of the water. It came just it blue. It sounded like a freaking bus just dropped right there in front of me and took off that. Yeah. That one. I might've, I might've fallen out of the boat that day because of that, but it scared the crap out of me. Those are big, heavy, solid fish. So when they oh, move, yeah. when they hit something, you're going to know it. Yeah, oh, but they, in two feet they of water. In two yeah. feet, but he was just <laughs> laying there. He was just laying there, like, waiting for the incoming tide, just chilling. And I'm like, but you could never see him because it was, like, back in the glades, it's, like, brackish water. You know? Did you draw your Glock? Did not. This was, this was back in the early night. Oh, well, this is early 2000s. So was not, I was not a registered carrier back then. So check this out. I, we forgot. We failed the mission. You said it's Florida. You don't got to be rich. To <laughs> Florida man. So this guy not only drew his Glock on the otters, you know, racked it and, and everything. He he had a red dot on it. And I'm like, on your, on your everyday carry, you've got a red dot. And I got a lot of shit. tactical. I got a lot of shit from people that were like, oh, man, I have a red dot on mine whenever I carry. I'm like, dude. It's just one more thing that's, you know, printing, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so my uh, my scary critter story. I used to be a carp on the fly guide in the hill country, and it was a lot of walking many many miles by myself, finding where these carp are at, where they're holding, how they're acting, four days a week at least. So I was about four miles into a hike one day right at the foot of these falls on the Petanales River. And I just locked eyes on a carp, and I'm going to take a shot on it. And all of a sudden, I it sounds like someone threw a bowling ball in the water, and it, that bowling ball is coming at me. Well, it was about a 160-pound pig come oh. flying across the Petanales River. And had she not been so far away, I probably wouldn't have gotten away because, as we've stated, I'm a large man. I don't run very fast. But she gave me enough time to let me know when she was coming that I scurried my big ass up the waterfall. I left all my gear down below. So my fly rod, my pack, my lunch was literally like laid out on a rock. I was chilling. So I'm up on top of this waterfall. She's standing over my gear 
screaming at me from <laughs> below the waterfall. There's nothing up there like man, rocks. You were in her territory. Yeah, you man. She, really was, she had shit. to have babies or something. Yeah, she some was, babies around there. Somewhere. She was pissed. But there's no rocks on top of this thing. So I'm literally screaming down at her and spitting on her, like trying to get her to get <laughs> just leave me alone. And she's literally trying to come up the waterfall at me. And it's only like eight feet, but it's kind of tiered. So she'd make it up a couple rocks, and I'm like, oh, shit, she's going to get up here. <laughs> but she kept falling down. Finally, she got frustrated and just left, and she didn't break any of my gear. Nobody was hurt. But from that day forward, I carried a 357 Magnum on me anytime that I was solo Out walking nature, the Pattern yeah. Alice River, man. Because even a 357 on a big old pig could potentially just piss it off. Yeah. But it's not a well-placed shot. So, drawing on an otter, though. No, never. (laughs) I've never been scared enough. For us, (laughs) yeah, I've never been scared enough where I had to draw. But I I had a a creature almost make me shit my pants uh, one day. I'm paddling along. I'm here on the very north side of Conroe, and I can see something up in front of us swimming back and forth. But I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't pay too much attention to it. I started getting closer and closer, and, and I don't see the swimming anymore. So I'm like, ah, it must be gone. So I'm working along the shoreline, and then all of a sudden, I hear what sounds like a gunshot. Pachow! And I'm like, what the hell? I damn near fall out of my kayak, almost push myself. And then I look up, and there's a beaver about 15 foot in front of me. <laughs> With his tail towards the water, looking over its shoulder like, you better get your ass out of here. And then he hits his tail on the water again. And I'm not joking. It sounds like a shotgun. If a beaver, If a beaver ever slaps his tail at you. That's the first time I've ever, like, experienced that. But I certainly didn't reach for a gun. I just looked at it like, hey, cut that shit out, man. Like, that's loud. I'm not going to mess with you. Just go home. So then I paddled past him. And I caught up with Micah. Micah was with me on this trip. Chris knows Micah. And um, we get to where the river actually opens up. And this is all within about 20 minutes of each other. And I still, to this day, do not know what we spooked. But it looked like a German U-boat just took off. The wake was so huge. I mean, it was it was waves coming off this thing. It had to either be a ginormous alligator gar or just a huge gar that took off and scared both of us we both almost like we were trying to hold each other from the kayaks beside each other like it was so so much going on we were we were trying to hug like we were reaching for each other across the kayaks because it was something that was huge and we were sure it was going to kill us (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't know what it was Dude, it, it was the biggest wake I've ever seen or biggest disruption I've ever seen in the water period, and I still have like no clue what it was. Like in the middle of the was. river or like on the, near the bank? No, it was – so the river channel, it's where the river actually opens up to the Lake Conroe. Okay. So you have the river channel, and then it's just a big flat. And it was in about three foot of water. So, I mean, we, it, it, we were close enough where we got wet from the splash from – the wake and everything where this thing took off. I don't know what it was. I'd say Damn. it probably was a gar. 
It was yeah, either a huge yeah. gar or alligator. Yeah, That's or a gator. Gator, yeah. They get pretty aggressive whenever they take off. Mm. So that, besides... that beaver slap ain't no joke, though, man. That <laughs> tail on the water is like besides the animal talk. <laughs> what else? What else do we have there that uh, folks are are asking? Well, it, it's a good thing that we have a boat guy here. We have some kayak guys here. What is the maximum amount of time that you should take up at the boat ramp? <laughs> Loading, unloading, and the reason this is on here is we've had a few questions about it, but I also, I had a boater cuss out two kayakers um, on this last trip. Mm -hmm. They backed up, unloaded their stuff, got their stuff in the kayak, put their rods, started tying on lures, drove the truck back up to the parking lot, left the kayaks in the middle of the ramp, and then walked back, put their coolers in. One was eating a sandwich while the other one was putting his uh, boots and everything on. They probably took 25 minutes, 30 minutes at this ramp. Bro. Now, what is the maximum amount of time you should be allowed to be taking up let, the boat ramp? Let me let me ask this right quick. I want to ask Nino. Mm -hmm. If you saw that while you were trying to launch your boat, what would you have done? Would you have said anything <laughs> to these goofballs? Would I personally? I would have been cussing my truck, but I'm a very I'm a very nice guy, so I probably would have found a way around it. Half my other buddies would have just run them over. I mean. <laughs> Not literally, not, not literally. literally, but would have just been like, they would have had words. I mean, these should spend more than two to three minutes. It's it's not a launching site; it's a ramp in out. Two to three minutes max. Maybe, maybe at most five if you're by yourself. You have to run and get the boat, but you know. Okay, listeners, you got to understand something. We. When we bring boaters on, they don't hate you because you're a kayaker. Okay, yeah. they they're, hate they're not, dumb kayakers. They, is yeah. what they hate. If you're a dumb ass kayaker or a dumb ass, just period, you're going to receive some hate mail. All right. The fact is, like Nino just said, I love the way you put it. By the way, this is a ramp, not a launch. Yep. There's a difference. There is a difference. Hey, there's boaters that do the same thing. They get there, they unload their truck while they're halfway in the ramp, take off the straps, you know, all load, take everything out of the truck. Man, it's, it's boat etiquette. Just put, do that off the side. Do that before, you know, pull over before you get there. In the boat ramp, I mean, two people shouldn't take more than two minutes. Yes. By yourself, you know, it could, it could take at most five if you had to go launch and run back. Yeah, and to these guys' credit that were waiting to, to get their – they were actually waiting to get their boat out of the water, and these guys were blocking the ramp. They gave them a good 15 minutes before they were like, hey, are y'all going to move? Like, can you move your stuff? And The bad thing about it is at this particular launch, there's a grassy area that is about 8 foot wide that actually hits the water. That you can put your kayaks right there and put them in the water and take off. That's what the worst thing is. But they did give them 15 minutes before they said, hey, are you guys going to move? Because we're, we're, we're trying to get our boats. And you got those little two plastic things in our way. Fowler, being on both, both ends of it, you know, somebody that kayaks and somebody that boats, 
what's your opinion on on kayakers launching man it's it's really just in and out as fast as possible you know if you're if you drove in from out of town and your stuff's not ready you shouldn't even be in line to be waiting to launch yet you should be off to the side getting all your stuff ready to go uh now i keep my kayak on a trailer so i literally back it into the water like a boat most of the time at a ramp um so I've got rods ready. Everything's ready to rock. I got a rope tied to it to where I can back it in, hitch it to Slip a cleat, off. pull yeah. out, park, and then I'm ready to rock. Now, I have been at tournaments, you know, freshwater bass tournaments where it's on a lake where this is basically designated a kayak ramp for the morning, and there's 80 of us there launching, and I've seen some boat guys get pretty pissed off. Uh, because they had I no idea imagine. it was going on. And there's yeah, rolling up plastic boats around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'd be like, I'm going home." It's it's <laughs> really just common courtesy, man. Have your stuff ready to go. You know, everyone's trying to get on the water. We don't want to wait for your ass on either uh, either side of it from a Drew, boat did you, or a kayak. Did, Drew, did you just write down the time mark that I said? F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got them all written down so he doesn't I saw his eyes I saw his eyes open uh, oh. yep yep hey uh, I've been really good though I was the one worried about it yeah Chris you've been the one that's I'm still sorry, good it, it, it's not Fowler that's been killing us here <laughs> yeah. my, my opinion on the boat ramp is you got five minutes to get everything going 10 minutes, I'm getting a little irritated. And then, like those other guys, anything after 10 minutes, I'm probably going to say, hey, you guys need some help? Like 10 something, minutes is a long time, dude. Something passive aggressive. Just like, long, hey. Long time to sit in the truck and watch these guys. Yeah. Ooh. Especially when you're, you're like, I can probably get my, my boat back down the ramp, <clears throat> off the trailer, and then go park within, definitely within 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? And if they're it should still be within five. Yeah. It should be within five minutes. But here's the deal: Kayakers, if you're staring at tying lures on, though, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's you got to kind of just... expect for someone to talk a little ish, right? Mm-hmm. A lot it's of gonna shit. A lot. <laughs> here's the deal, kayakers, and and you know I love every single one of y'all. We have the opportunity and the ability to take our boats off to the side and put them anywhere we want to. We don't have to do this on the ramp. And I understand if you're by yourself, if you're going solo, it might be hard to get that kayak from your staging area to the water if you're by yourself and you don't have a buddy with you. But as close as possible without impeding anyone else is probably mm-hmm. the goal here. But that, that too, just ask somebody to help you. Sure. Most, of the, most of the boat guys <laughs> will help you carry your stuff to get you the hell out the way like <laughs> they'll help they'll help out just ask hey could i get some help over here they'll they'll grab it and take it and run off so i think the consensus is five minutes or less if you can do it if you can get unloaded launched boat kayak no matter what try to keep it five minutes or less where you're actually taking up a spot on the ramp now if it takes you longer to you know, put all your rods and everything, and you may have to take them from the truck and bring those over and take your cooler and everything else for the kayak. But five minutes or less, you should you should have everything wrapped up. See, and I'm on the new side of the fence now because I've been a kayaker for 
16 years now and i've just recently got my very first boat something with an actual motor yeah i got the narwhal she's a little micro skiff 16 and a half foot and backing that thing at a ramp that very first time i mean i was nervous you know i've not but not backed in very many watercraft other than a kayak you know and trying to make sure everything's right and make sure i'm not you know, it's just new boat jitters, and I was like, "Sure, I've been at this ramp for like twenty minutes already." Thank God, there's no one here waiting on me. But trying to get better at that because there's a lot more things to think about. You know, hey, no matter side. how many times you, no matter how many times you do it, if you got people sitting at the dock watching you, you're gonna have those jitters. I dude, compounded St. Charles boat ramp here in Rockport. Mm-hmm. There's literally like, which one's St. Charles? The one on St. Charles Bay that's got the big break, the breakwater on both sides of it. There's like multiple docks and there's two big breakwaters. And then once you get beyond that, it's like, good luck. You're in St. Charles. And if the wind switches, it's going to be four foot rollers. Mm-hmm. But there's literally like 10 dudes over 65 years old that pull up on their golf carts simply to watch and talk shit about everybody launching <laughs> oh, yeah. their boats. So if I pull up there with the narwhal and those fools are already sitting there, I'm like, nope, I'm launching at Cove Harbor. See y'all later. <laughs> like, I ain't even going to give you all the chance. I like that ramp over there at um, at Rockport Beach, man, because that sucker is like three boat, boats wide. Yep. And it's just one big, huge ramp. You, you don't That's have, where I launched the narwhal crooked, the first time. If you get a little crooked, so what? <laughs> <laughs> but my... my uh, my impeller wasn't pissing either, so I had to turn right around and trying to get a tiller steer boat back on a trailer quickly and efficiently as a noob. Nah. I was having to kill that sucker and throw it in reverse, back up off it and try not to swing it into the pylons. I mean, it was it's an experience, but I'll get better at it. Yeah, tiller twist is something on, something different, I I, man. I think I saw that on qualified captain, I think. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> now, our, our our last our last question today, you know, it's we've been on here about an hour and forty five minutes. This I, this is going to be a very subjective question, and Ooh. I, I don't I don't know the answer to this question. I mean, I know what I think the answer is, but I don't have any proof of it. Can a area really and truly be overfished? Can one one particular spot be overfished? Will the fish stop coming to that area because there's too many people fishing that area? Mm. Every, everybody's thinking on this one like I've got, really, I, really I've got hard. Got a pretty good answer, but I let I'll let these guys uh, go first. I mean, I've seen it down here in the Upper Laguna with all with as many tournaments that we run down here over the years. You know, just like anything, it it's gotten probably gotten hit really hard. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I know I fished, I fished uh, one term in Louisiana, where for the whole month there was a hundred boats on the field every weekend, and then we were the plus pre fishing, we were there for four days, and it was just beat to hell. So I, yeah, I honestly think the fish can get over, it can get overfished, pressured, can it bounce back? everything bounces back, mm-hmm. you know, it'll bounce back, but it, it, it can't, I think in a short amount of time, 
Yeah, definitely get over over pressure. That's exactly what I was going to say. In in a short amount of time, I definitely think an area can be burned. Uh, mm. Prime example being like down here, babes on the bay. I mean, mm. when there is, man, how many boats were in it last year? Nino, do you remember? Eight, it was like eight hundred. It was smaller, so it was eight hundred ladies. So. 800 yeah. ladies, so you're talking like, like 400 say, boats or something. 400 boats, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the days leading up to this, and this is all what you hear from all the old salts hanging around here in Rockport is, well, all their husbands are down there sore-lipping fish the two days before finding them for all these ladies. So not only is it 400 boats on these two, two or three particular days, it's all their husbands and the people doing their their homework burning the area it's basically just a, a scorched earth for six days and you can definitely see the aftermath of that if you go out the day after that oh, tournament yeah. it's hard to find fish and when you do find them if you look at them wrong they're already running you know because it's a sight fishing game for me mm-hmm. so when I pull up on a fish and it immediately burns off I'm like well someone's already messed with him today so, yeah, I think areas can be overfished in a short amount of time, but I do think that they will reload. Because if they didn't reload, we wouldn't have the fisheries that we have down here. We wouldn't have anywhere to fish. Yeah. Chris, you said you had a good good answer for this. Yeah. What you got? So, so, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of, I guess, analogies here. If, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, then it stands to reason that 4 minus 2 equals 2, right? So you've got the inverse. Mm-hmm. Without without joy, you would never know pain, right? Without anger, you would never know happiness. So, joy and pain. Pump it up. Pump it up. We're getting deep, man. So look, you if <laughs> Nino, you must not listen to the show. Oh, I asked yeah, us full yeah. about burning hey, spots, bro, and we're, we're talking we're about math. We're gonna and freaking he's singing he's singing <laughs> Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch <laughs> over here. Go he's philosophizing. So. If you, if Fishing I know, I know for sure that we have areas, okay, that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to talk about with even our closest compadres. Why? Because they're protected. And those areas are so protected because there's freaking fish in them, man. And there's always fish and it's low traffic. Um, there's, there's hardly ever, anybody ever there. So if we have those areas that exist, stands to reason that we have other areas that get overfished because not only of the traffic and and the people fishing that area but also taking the fish out right Mm -hmm. so you can have areas that are overfished just like you have areas that are protected like when i took you to um to saint joe Mm -hmm. okay we got into some areas that nobody else can get into all right there are some some shallow running boats that can get back there but if they stop they're screwed um that area has a lot of fish right and it will remain that way as long as the big boats can't get back there because if the big boats can get back there then it's game one man they're just gonna they're gonna get tore up and then that area is gonna be overfished now do you guys think because this was a follow-up question on on this, do you guys think it is because a, a area can be overfished because of people 
keeping and taking the fish. Therefore, there's far less fish in that area. Or do you think you're catching less fish because they're so spooky because they've been having so many boats running through there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I knew that was going to be the answer too. That it it was going to be it was going to be both of them, and I agree mm-hmm. with that because the more boats that are in there, the more skittish some of the fish are going to be. Or the opposite, they're not going to care that you're there, but they're not going to hit anything that doesn't look supremely natural right. in front of them because they're going to be so used to seeing seeing boats in there. See, but there's mm-hmm. always like complete anomalies in that situation Mm -hmm. prime example lighthouse lakes that gets the ever living fish kicked out of it every week and weekend Mm -hmm. of the year down here and every freaking week and weekend it's loaded with fish i mean it's i I can't say that it's loaded i mean there there's some decent fish back there but uh brown and root got overfished it got pounded to hell, and then it's just now coming back. People are just now starting to catch good fish out of there again. Um, but I wish we had evidence though are, that it was overfishing and not just and not just fish moving, fish not migrating, just, just, yeah, yeah, just leaving areas, bait, bait hatching in different areas, more grass in different areas. Lighthouse Lakes does have a badass ecosystem though, which would probably draw just tons and tons and tons of fish. Dude, regardless. I had the most eye-opening experience at Lighthouse Lakes two Mondays, three Mondays ago when we had the that insane super low tide. Uh, that everyone talked about and everyone that fished that day just went out and destroyed fish. Um, we were cruising along Lydia channel, looking in every single cut that goes into lighthouse. Now, mind you, there is no water in lighthouse lakes. It's 50 yards of mud before you even get to the water. You know what I'm saying? It's dropped out of there, but every single main cut of lighthouse had a boat sitting in it. And the reason was those fish were literally stacked waiting to get back into the Mm -hmm. marsh. Mm -hmm. We couldn't get in there to fish them. So we said, screw it. Let's just pull the perimeter, pull the edges, see if we can find some. Well, as soon as we pulled up, I mean, there was a school of bull reds split in the boat, swimming by like we weren't even there. I saw the most redfish I've ever seen in my entire life that day. And it was... It was like those videos you see in Venice, Louisiana, where there's just thousands of those monster fish up at the surface, but they were on the sand and just cruising. And there was big ones, mid slots, little bitty ones getting eaten by bulls. I mean, it was it was insane. The most redfish I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's why I say like lighthouse, even though it gets the shit kicked out of it. There's fish that seek to get in there no matter what. It's an amazing ecosystem back there. It, it really, really is. is, man. And I, I love getting lost back there in the kayak. And I, I think that has a big thing to do with the overfishing that you're talking about. Chris likes to get away, get way, way, way deep back into the marshes and things like that. Lighthouse Lakes, it's not way back deep in the marshes. It's it's got a lot of flow going through there. It is connected to the ocean. It's got a lot of tidal mm-hmm. movement. There's a lot of grass. 
Yep. I think to Chris's point about not telling your friends about tournament spots and different things like that, we're usually like in the back reaches of the bay, the back reaches of, you know, a lake on the intercoastal. We're we're back there a ways where it's going to take a little time if there's five or six guys hammering that spot Monday through Friday every single day. It's going to take time for that spot to replenish because it's a ways from a lot of the current. It's a ways from a lot of the title movement. There's not there's not as much nourishment coming in there. There's not as much bait coming back into that area. So I think some of the smaller places that are further reaches from your passes from you know some of the we're, we're more you have more water movement mm-hmm. um those can be overfished a little easier but that wasn't the question well yeah i know this is just, <laughs> this is just where the conversation is going it's what i was thinking about whenever i saw this question like yes places can be overfished but Places can can repopulate pretty quickly depending on what their ecosystem is and their location. I think it's pretty amazing that we actually have like millions and millions and millions of fish just everywhere. And, oh yeah, it, I always think move, about that. Yeah, they move in and out of areas all the time. Um, and guys, if you're not listening on the Texas coast, I'm sorry, but that's how the red that's how the redfish are here. I know, I know. There's there's people. You know, along the Gulf Coast, outside of Louisiana, but you know, Mississippi, Alabama, some of the Florida. Louisiana is like, oh god, oh god! I would mm-hmm. love to catch redfish like that and have an ecosystem like that. And but I'm I'm sorry if you guys don't. Florida's yep. doing horrible. We're blessed with a lot of fish. I don't know if and you guys the- keep up with Florida, but they're doing horribly as far as their fish. South, South Florida, Tampa South, yeah. They're doing pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, I think it's about time to get out of here. We're, we're running up on two hours, but before we get out of here, Mr. Fowler, why don't you give the address, phone number, everything for your shop, and then Nino, you know, let us know. Website, where they can check out your your items again. And good stuff deals like coming that. up. Yeah, any good Big deals sales. coming up. Chris, go ahead. We'll, we'll let you go first, man. Well, when uh, you guys are ready to take the plunge into fly fishing or come down here and just have a cold beer and talk a little ish and talk about fishing, come see me at the Fly Trap in Rockport, Texas. It's 1833 Broadway Street, Suite D, Rockport, Texas, 78382. Phone number is 361-450-1691. Uh, I'm the guy that's always here. You can ask for me. My name's Chris Fowler. And uh, give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is The Fly Trap Co. And Facebook is just uh, The Fly Trap Fly Fishing and Kayaks. Thanks for having me, guys. Right on, man. Awesome. Glad to have you. Yeah, glad to have you aboard with the bro staff, man. Nino, what about you? Where can they find everything that they want to find about Retail Republic Optics? Go check out that brand new website we just launched today. You can find a dealer on our dealer locator and then uh, redtailrepublic.com. Come see me in the show. Um, we got a sale going on right now. You got 10% off online with uh, Love. <clears throat> what is it? Love 10 for our sweetheart. Sweetheart of a uh, sale going on right now. 
Yeah, so we, we got the the Valentine's gifts. Valentine's gifts. Get your lady but, some of them bougie bays. Bougies. Is I got some. Bella's? I got some pink ones here at the shop right now. There you go. But yeah, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube. It's all Red Tail Republic. Cell phone number. Uh, <laughs> there's eight. There's eight hundred number on the on the website. <laughs> It still rings the same thing. Yeah. So it's all the same. That's awesome, man. Chris, if you want to get me a Valentine's Day present, I will take some Sabines or some Freeports or some Baffins. Hey. Whichever one you want to get me, man. Man, you want, you want them Baffins, I'm telling you. I'm thinking he'd look good in the green Baffins. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take some green Baffins. That's, that's I think fine. his head's a little too small for the Baffins. Is he really that small? It's, yeah. He needs. He needs. Hey, it's not that small. All right, he, it's not that. He bad. needs the Sabines. <laughs> it's, it's, all right, boys. Yeah, you know, the camera's just so off. <laughs> Fowler's like, dude, it's, it's like time for some curry in bed. <laughs> He's out of here. I got to get up and catch fish in the morning, man. I love that life, man. I got to get up and do engineering ish. I don't miss it. Have fun with that. All right, bro, staff, we're out of here. We'll see you later. All right, guys. Thanks. Peace. Peace.